Hey, everyone here at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast, where we bring you expert insights into the world of investing and beyond. My name is Johnny Nelson, your host, and today we're thrilled to have Elijah Brown as our special guest. Elijah, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Johnny, and looking forward to our chat. Amazing. Amazing, man. Uh, Elijah has, um, is, we speak to all kinds of investors and you know syndicators. I know it's kind of a fancy word for some in the audience, but uh, we talked to a lot of people doing, you know, from flipping a doghouse to investing in really, really large commercial um, properties, you know, oftentimes multifamily apartments here. Elijah has kind of niched down to a, a specific spot in basically he raises um, capital for operators, really, really uh, top performing operators around the country. But before we get into that, Elijah, share with the audience a little bit of your background. I know you uh, either are you spent time in the army or you're currently in the army, and give us a little background there about uh, where you grew up, uh, what you're doing, and kind of the, what led to this path. So I never thought that I would be in the army growing up. Uh, actually, I arrived at school. I went to the University of Southern California, and I got there, and I thought that my parents were going to help with the tuition, and I came to found out, came to find out. Um, you know, rudely that, that, uh, that was not the case at all. And so I got the, you know, the $30,000 bill for the first semester and was like, what do I do? So, um, actually my sister recommended that I check out the ROTC department. It's the, uh, reserve officer training corps. And this is essentially a program that's open to almost anyone with a pulse uh, where you can, essentially trade time and service, um, with the military, you know, in exchange for college tuition. So I, I marched down to that office and they wrote me a check for my full tuition. And I said, great, sign me up. Um, ended up with an eight-year contract from that. Um, and I've served the entire time of that contract in the uh, the reserves. So I never actually went on active duty. Um, it's all been the one weekend a month plus you know two weeks in the summer uh, doing training. I'm actually leaving for that in a few weeks. So um, that that's the extent of the military. They paid for school so that I was able to essentially not have any debt, um, which was great. But uh, back to my story with uh, with real estate, um, I originally thought I was going to go into banking. I was going through like investment banking recruitment pipelines through the school and everything. I uh, ended up getting lucky and finding a, a summer internship with a hedge fund and quickly realized that I was not interested in that space. Um, what, I had, just to pause right yeah, there, Elijah, sure. what, when you say not interested in that space, like we know this, like that's like a large, like a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was like culture, like the the office, like the, the, tra- the career trajectory, what part of that was not appealing or did you not see alignment in turn in yeah. your life? Trading public equities and stuff like that is a very high stress environment. Um, and the part I didn't like was how many variables are involved. Um, you know, with real estate, we're looking at maybe, you know, 20 or 30 variables with maybe like four or five of them being really like lever, lever movers, uh, needle movers. Whereas like when you're you're picking, you know, equities and trading stocks and stuff, there could be thousands of reasons why the the, the deal fails. And so the, the risk adjusted returns within real estate are just a lot better. Um, and so, you know, I've found myself migrating more towards that because I have more of a, a risk adverse uh, type of strategy. So um, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos while I was in college, started yeah. watching channels like Bigger Pockets, 
Chris Crone, Phil Pustajovsky, Graham Stephan, a few of these, you know, early real estate YouTubers. And uh, I realized that that was really the best way that I was going to be able to uh grow my grow my wealth. It's not, you know, a, a get rich quick overnight type of thing. I realized it was going to be a more longer term strategy. And I got really excited, decided to buy my first single family rental property. Um, I was living in Los Angeles and realized that I could not afford anything there. And so yeah. I convinced my best friend and my cousin to go in with me on this cheap little $140,000 house in Orlando, Florida. And uh, this was back that. in 2017. 2017. And uh, we, we got that deal done. We put a tenant in and then we did that a bunch more times before scaling into the multifamily. Amazing, man. Amazing. Um, just as a, just again, to, to lay out the color of the kind of guests we bring on and just because it's a unique part of your life, um, I believe you're also um, currently living in a Sprinter van. So is it true that you still never <laughs> actually bought a, your own single family home? And then you're kind of a. That's you're, not you're true, actually. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. So, Correct me. Get me wrong. Get me right. Right out of school, I ended up. Uh, so I, I never wanted to work for money. Um, so I ended up getting a job at a real estate fund because I wanted to learn. And so I found this REIT, a uh, large REIT in California, ended up working there for four years. Um, and after a few of those years, I decided to buy a house. And it, this was when everybody started freaking out from COVID in 2020. And I went in and got a really good uh, discount on a on a house that had a, a tax lien on it and uh, renovated it. And I ended up selling it last year. Uh, and then, you know, we moved into the van full time and we've just been traveling ever since. Amazing, man. Yeah. <clears throat> what, uh, and what part of that life? So my wife and I bought a, uh, I know it's a little bit of a tangent here, but uh, there's, as far as like asset classes, you know, um, people are looking more, in alternative spaces. So yes, there's a traditional existing apartments or new apartments in development. There's ADUs. I know there's some recent laws passed in California, especially that's kind of taking people by storm. And RVs, we know there's hundreds of thousands of RVs that have been sold. And of course, RV parks is another investment class. So, I mean, you and I are both, uh, you're full-time. I'm, I just, we just bought an RV, like I said, last year. So that's something we're doing more of. And a lot of people are doing more of. What, um, what is that? Uh, what has that life been like? Um, and do you see, like, what do you see that trajectory of that RV or the kind of that digital nomad life going for yourself? So this would never have been possible without Starlink satellite. Sure. So you know, even just two years ago, we would not have been able to do this. Um, okay. So that we, we have had, like this, we have this yeah. converging technology, like a lot of things, like yeah. internet or you know, uh, vaccines or the IC chip, right. something like that. And you're like that the the uh, the uh, existence or the development of those things in the matured far enough along allow this other kind of lifestyle or this other like population you know yeah. uh, emergence to 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 explode we call that location freedom so it's right. like we can literally be anywhere we want and yeah. still run our businesses um you know just as fast just as well and so it's really nice about this lifestyle is being able to essentially uh park the van off grid in the wilderness somewhere where there's, you know, no, no one else. And, you know, you wake up in the morning and you throw the back doors open and it's just like expansive views of mountains and lakes. And it's very nice. And then, you know, I pop my laptop open and I can send out a a deal email. So it's, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good balance. It allows me to like be out on these trips for a lot longer periods of time. Um, 
but the lifestyle is not without, um, you know, setbacks. There are a lot of challenges. Uh, you know, we lose half a day to a day every single week taking care of like maintenance items like uh, emptying water tanks, filling water tanks, getting fuel, uh, cleaning, uh, just all, all kinds of different tasks you got to do to maintain the the lifestyle, moving around, finding new places to sleep. And so it's it's not easy. Uh, I'd say the most difficult part is that my partner and I, my girlfriend, we both run businesses out of the van. And so that's amazing. We can't all we can't both be on phone calls at the same time. Um, right. And you know, it's there's only a few comfortable spaces to really work in there. Uh, you know, we have our passenger suite seat that swivels around and like a, a table pops up, and then we yeah, have yeah. The, like the desk area in the back that converts into our bed. And it's not the most comfortable thing. And so um, it's that's a bit of a struggle, but we realized that we had to make certain sacrifices to be able to have the lifestyle. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I, I really do feel like I find it interesting, fascinating. I think others would find that interesting and fascinating as well of how, you know, actual an actual couple is, uh, you know, making this work and doing that. And like, there's some trade, there's some trades and sacrifices. Um, there's, you know, pros and cons. So we know that. Um, we'll get into the, uh, what you, what you've, what you kind of focus on now is in a very professional, uh, high growth sense, you know, in bring, raising funds for large sponsors, um, Elijah, but, um, give us a, uh, give us the challenges, um, as you kind of went from, you know, yes, uh, college, uh, uh, from college and then kind of stepped into a couple of different roles. Give us the, uh, what was the down point? What was the the low point? And, and did you think you're going to make it? Was there struggles there? And yes, you haven't been doing it for like 20 years, but uh, every entrepreneur and person, uh, anyone venturing to that space is experiences those challenges. Can you give us a couple of stories there? Every single deal I've done, um, and I, by the way, I did the first six years as like an active operator of these properties, yeah. like finding the properties, uh, managing the contractors and the property managers, finding the debt and the equity in the whole nine yards. And every single deal had these massive, massive hurdles uh, that I had to overcome. It was definitely not the passive investment that I thought it was going to be. And uh, just an example, on the first sixplex that I did, so I did four single families first, and then I convinced my coworkers to invest alongside me in a sixplex deal in Orlando. And uh, I only had to raise $112,000 for this deal. And it was just, uh, everything went wrong. The, the inspection was was bad. There was foundational issues. I had to negotiate credits and the seller was not having it. So I had to go meet up with him a few times. And then I came up $20,000 short on the raise, which was just like devastating because I was yes. calling literally everyone I knew. And it was only like $112,000, which is nothing. Yeah. But but then so like but had, that, the, the percentage of that like it's it's all about just a ratio of the money so like whether you're ready yeah. raising like twenty million and you're like right. you know, short right. or whether it's a hundred thousand and you're like you yeah know, thousand short it's like that's still not going to work right like we still need that yeah. whatever that is right. Meanwhile, earnest money had gone hard, and I had pledged additional okay. earnest wow. money. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so uh, what I ended what I ended up doing was. I got an in-person meeting with the uh, the seller who happened to be in California uh, for that week because he was at a seminar or something. And uh, I convinced him to seller finance me the last $20,000. Amazing. And we got, wow. we figured out how to get the deal done. Um, we closed on the property and then, you know, obviously there was a million other issues after that. Uh, just 
dealing with, uh, like we went through three property managers on that property within three years. Uh, the contractor was horrible. It was, every little thing went wrong. We had flooding. It was just like a horrible property. Um, but we ended up managing through it. The market was kind to us. And we got out of that with, uh, you know, like a 60% IRR um, over those three years, which was incredible. Allowed me to, you know, make my first promote check as the sponsor and also yeah. reinvest all those investors' money into uh, another deal. So that was a pretty awesome experience, but definitely like something I wouldn't wish upon anyone who's, uh, you know, wants to maintain their sanity. So, uh, what I tell people is like, yes, you can make, like, I probably made over a hundred percent return. I probably made 200% return on my money just by doing that deal. But, um, the amount of time and headaches and stress and gray hairs that it gave me was just like outrageous. It was like a full-time job. And so I honestly would have rather just uh, had my capital invested passively with one of these large sponsors and made my, you know, 20, 30% or in rise 48's case, a 70% average IRR uh, within a year and a half and not do any of the work. So it's, that's uh, a, that's I, a beautiful, that's such yeah. a beautiful segue, Elijah, right there. That's this kind of this crux, but I want to just linger if you would just a little bit more on that. What do you think from what the, the investors you've seen that have gone full-time into the real estate space? So there's the ones that start out, or uh, maybe they have a they've been professional and they have, you know, a highly paid professional. And then they're like, Hey, let's just take, you know, here's, you know, 20,000 or 50 or hundred, just invest this for me. And that's super clean because others that because they're ambitious and they, they, they hear about it, real estate, or maybe they're even doing some themselves. They're like, Oh, I want to do a little bit more myself. And then there's, so there's people that are straggling, straddling the line. And then there's others that like leave the professional space and go full-time into the real estate space, professional meaning like bankers, lawyers, doctors, engineers, right. whatever that is, step, stepping in. And so they're like these different categories of people. How do you know what, what just from, this is actually a real question because people, I have students and whatnot that, uh, that come to me like, so how do I decide if this is right for me? What have you seen to, to guide people, whether it's, it's a full-time real estate or they should just do passive What's some tips or some guidance um, that you've seen over the over the years interacting with other investors or professional that stay just want to passively invest? Having been the guy that started active, I would say no matter what, for everyone, like start off with a small passive position to learn how it works, what to do. Um, because when you have no experience and you're just getting started going out and spearheading your own active deal, especially in a market like this is risky. Uh, it's very risky and you're going to have a ton of roadblocks. You might as well just partner with someone or watch someone do it um, the first time around so that you can learn. Um, I'd say for, there's a lot of people who get into this space and they think, oh, I can I can like triple or quadruple my, term, my returns by just being an active operator or even a fund of funds manager. Right. Um, and they don't really realize what it takes to get, you know, that business off the ground. I mean, you know, like I've got seven years of track record with 12 full cycle deals and, you know, I'm still in like uh, an early, st early growth stage of like getting to a point where I can consistently raise a certain amount of money every month. It's like most people who get in 99, 95% of them end up, you know, stopping within, within six months and the other group, you know, they're raising maybe like one or $200,000 a year, and it's just not enough to provide any kind of income. So 
Um, for most people, I'd say just like stay out of it. Let, like the, let the professionals deal with it. The people who already have the experience track record. And if you're extremely ambitious and you really want to go for it and you have the time to do it, which is rare, um, then, you know, start by partnering with people so that you can learn, learn the ropes. I love that, man. Thank you for that. You're just your perspective, again, just your perspective on that. And, um, you know, it's very, you know, the, it's very unique how people see themselves, what they see themselves doing or, or want to do, or they want to grow into, but also we both, um, have gone down this road. It is extremely time consuming. Um, it's, it's very, it can be very rewarding, but also like, is that cost, you know, like some people just like need to get it out of their system and they have to like go through like the, that, that cycle of doing a flip or that, you know, Mm whatever turn or that deep turn. And then come on the other side, like, holy crap, like that, like, I never want to do that again. Or, or <laughs> right. I have, I have not, I've yet to meet someone that says that, that lifestyle is so me. I want to do that again and again and again. So just, I guess, just kind if of, if you're a, an active operator, you have to be a masochist. Like you have to love the, the, the struggle and the pain of it um, <laughs> because it's going to be constant struggle, pain, and surprises that, that almost ruin you every single day. <laughs> Absolutely. So now that's, like I said, that, that was really long, like kind of like a detour, but it's still kind of, kind of hovering around that, that, that transition of, you know, the, uh, very active, uh, investor hands-on, um, it's your own, mainly you're leading the deal to then this other methodology where you're focused on raising capital from fellow investors. You're, you're performing a lot of the due diligence, finding, you know, amazing deals, amazing sponsors, making sure that all of that squares up and then pre- presenting that to your, to your, um, uh, investors. Uh, tell us what that life looks like now. And, uh, and how does that kind of typically work and, and uh, go, how would someone participate? And yeah. Out? Yeah. Just give us some insight there. So, you know, I had all those deals go full cycle within the last few years, and uh, that really made me start thinking about, like, where do I want to spend my time? What do I want to do? Part of that was, like, I wanted to go travel and live out of a van. Um, And so, you know, uh, my business had to become more passive, but also I wanted to be more passive for my own lifestyle and for my own freedom. And so I became an expert passive investor. Um, And... I realized that I could juice my returns as a passive investor if I uh, if I write much larger checks to these sponsors. And let me explain how that works. Essentially, you know, I'll get together with my friends, family, investors, whoever, and we'll all pool our capital in a completely separate LLC. Um, we call this fund of funds. Um, so it's a completely separate LLC, and then we'll take that money and we'll write one million, two, three million dollar check to a sponsor uh, who is putting a deal together and we'll say in exchange for writing a large check, you know, I'm not going to be okay with your 50, 50 profit split or your 70, 30. I want an 80, 20 or 90, 10. I want to keep 80 or 90% of the profits at the end of the deal because I'm writing this large check. And most of the time the sponsors will either have a separate share class that, that allows you to do that, or they will negotiate with you uh, to give you those terms. And so, um, you know, I can go from, you know, only keeping 50% of the profit as a passive investor to keeping like 80 to 90% of the profit. Meanwhile, I can also charge fees um, to those investors in my fund as well. And so that allows me to be, you know, both a passive investor and also juice my returns as a passive investor by allowing other people in on my special negotiation. I will have to say, um, you know, it's funny because I go from working, you know, extremely hard within the active real estate business to now it's like, it's very little real estate and it's more like 
sales, marketing, and investor relations because my whole business is generating leads of potential investors, nurturing those leads, educating them, showing them what I do, and then you know presenting them with opportunities and coaching them. And it's pretty much the same as what you do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of, you know, investor relations, sales and marketing and very little active property management. And so it's, it's definitely, uh, for me, I, I like it a lot better, but it's still a full-time job. Yeah, I would, I would like to add to that, Elijah. Um, I really, this is my own bias because, you know, we we like, we like people like ourselves, but, um, there is something unique about guys like ourselves that have gone through the trenches and have bought properties, managed properties, turned properties. Um, you know, they could be single family, you know, smaller multifamily, you know, it doesn't really matter because there's a lot of the basics are the same and you sure. build from that. And that really, there's other people out there that they have just perhaps raised money and they don't know intimately the, how to run, how to manage property, how to, you know, screen tenants, right. how to run a cap at, you know, a, like a rehab project. Uh, there is something very, very deep and uh, a very solid knowledge base that, you know, guys like us build from. And then, yes, there is a transition into, you know, uh, presenting opportunities and, you know, managing that piece as a full-time business. But also there's this background information of deep, a deep foundation of uh, knowledge of how the back end, the actual operations work, which is so important because if you have a bad operator, uh, you're going to, yeah. you, you will lose, you as a fund manager or a capital raiser will lose investors money. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. It's, uh, I think there are two things that, um, that kind of helps me with my ability to raise capital. It's, it's one, it's that, that fairly large track record of all those full cycle deals that I was actively managing. So like, I have that experience, just like you were talking about. Um, but also I came from the corporate world. Um, you know, I spent four years working for a large real estate fund, you know, being an analyst, calculating, you know, cash flows, underwriting, presenting to investment committees, uh, doing the whole corporate thing, which I think is extremely valuable. I'd recommend for anyone who's looking to get into the space, like go find a, a job uh, for a little while with a an established company so that you can learn what you need to do to be, you know, professional and present opportunities. Um, you know, it's just jumping in, uh, you know, going to a $30,000 course, um, that's not really going to be enough. You need to be doing deals at a high level to gain that experience. I love that, man. I love that. So yeah, as we kind of turn, that's uh, we're, uh, as we kind of turn the last, uh, into the last chapter here, where uh, where do you see yourself going um, with uh, kind of uh, with your uh, sorry Goldhawk Capital and uh, sure. what uh, what uh, what kind of investors is a good prof profile for you and he, and maybe even speaks about like three things here and then speak to also like the unique personalities or profiles of investors that are attracted to you because the people that are attracted to you might not be the people that are attracted to me. And that's what actually makes this kind of special and fun is like, hey, this is how I think this is my philosophy, how to preserve capital, grow capital, and my own, just how, who I am, those things attract certain kinds of investors. So if you, could you speak to that, right. please? Yeah. So, so right now, Goldhawk Capital, so we've always been multifamily people. We're focused on the value add, large multifamily deals. So 100 plus units uh, in Phoenix and Dallas right now. 
uh, properties that have a value add component. That means that we can go in and increase the income through renovations and management and things like that so that we can essentially double the value of the property within a a two to five year period. Um, So we're very focused on those types of opportunities. And uh, our, you know, our, our goal is to be able to bring one of those opportunities to our investors every single month and raise a consistent amount of capital, you know, uh, I think right now for my, you know, my one year goal, I'd like to be raising 2 million a month, uh, maybe even 3 million a month for these opportunities. Um, and I would like to essentially hone down on maybe three or four sponsors and that's it. Uh, because, you know, once you dial in and you find a sponsor that works really well for you and they're performing, yeah. like just, just hit it over and over and over again. It's like, you've, you've found the opportunity, use it. Um, once you get to spread out with like eight or nine, 10 different operators, that's a lot of data and due diligence to track. Um, and so it's much easier to just focus in terms of who we're looking for. So obviously, you know, real estate investors are a special breed. You know, we're way more risk averse. We're more conservative. Um, but we also, you know, we realize that the risk adjusted returns are just a lot better than in the stock market. Um, we tend to not uh, not like the options available to us in retirement counts and in secondary, you know, public markets. And we realize that real estate offers a ton of uh, you know tax benefits. Uh, we can use leverage. There's just a lot of uh, things that are built into multifamily transactions that just just make it way better. Um, you know, I going back to the discussion about why I didn't want to work in the hedge fund space. Why I like went to multifamily. It's like I understand it. It's such a simple investment. I can literally put my hand on the wall of the building yes. and know it's not going to disappear. It's like it's insane. <laughs> um, and so you know, we're we're looking for people who uh, you know have a more conservative risk tolerance. Uh, they're probably you know within their you know late thirties to early sixties. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're earning a significant income at their at their job, um, you know, so that they're they have enough cash or net worth to be able to invest in a lot of these deals, um, and then you know just just generally uh, since I have great networks from my school that I went to and the military and the various jobs that I had, um, you know I, I like to connect you know first with those people, um, and then I also get a lot of referral from current investors. Amazing, man. Amazing here. Um, what's the, uh, for the final, the final, uh, chunk here of the, sh- of the show, uh, what is a, what is one of your favorite books that you've read or what's on your books, your books, uh, your table side right now, near your bed, if, presuming we leadership have a bed, you strategy have a and side. tactics. Yeah. So <laughs> right I'm bed. reading leadership, leadership strategy and tactics from Jocko willing. Oh, that's a good, that's book. a good book. Amazing. Um, uh, you know, I'm in, in the army, so it's, uh, the language, you know, speaks to me more. It's essentially, you know, how, how to, you know, be, be a leader and approach situations and motivate people to, to do things for you. And so that's, uh, important. What I'm trying to do in my business is be less of like the, the doer and the implementer and more of the visionary. Like I I am really good at pulling different people together and getting, you know, motivating them to accomplish tasks. And I think that's what I need to be doing rather than, you know, drafting all the emails and crunching the numbers in the Excel model and, and responding to the questions. Like I need to be bringing in the right people to do those things so that I can focus on actually growing the business. Awesome, man. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you? 
Uh, definitely add me on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com slash in slash Elijah W. Brown. Um, I post three to four times a week and I usually have a, a link that will either provide you with some type of, you know, e- ebook or a free educational thing uh, or just access to my my list so that you can start receiving deals. Um, you can also check us out on our website, goldhawk.us, and uh, you can find out more about us there. Amazing. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. We are we are delighted and privileged to bring people like Elijah Brown on and share his knowledge and the things he's doing. So until next time, uh, give us give the show a like, uh, spread the word, and uh, so long. <laughs>